Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Agatha Christie's Miss Marple and Murder at the Vicarage. In St. Mary Mead, no one is despised more than Colonel Prothero. Even the local vicar has said that killing him would be doing a service to the townsfolk. So when Prothero is found murdered in the same vicar's study and two different people confess to the crime, it is time for Miss Marple to exercise her detective abilities. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. tell me that I lead a very sheltered life at St Mary Mead. Everything around me is so uneventful and normal, they say. Well, there's nothing very normal about Colonel Prothero being shot dead in the vicar's study, and his wife and her lover both confessing to the crime because each thought that the other had done it. Of course, the moment they discovered that each of them was innocent, the confessions were withdrawn. So now the police have no idea where to look for the murderer. Inspector Slack is quite capable of suspecting almost anyone, and particularly the mysterious Mrs Lestrange. We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple and Francis Matthews as the Reverend Leonard Clement in Agatha Christie's Murder at the Vicarage. It's very good of you to come over so promptly, Vicar. Oh, no, no. I wanted to speak to you the other day in the church, Mm. but then I decided not to do so. I was wrong. Well, as I said at the time, Mrs Lestrange, I am only too glad to do anything I can to help you. You said that as if you really meant it. Very few people in this world have ever sincerely wished to help me. I can hardly believe that. It's true. Most people, most men at any rate, are out for their own hand. Well, we are a selfish race by and large. I'm in a very peculiar position, Mr Clement, and I want to ask your advice as to what I ought to do next. What is past is past and cannot be undone, you understand? Mm. Yes, what is it? Please, Mrs Lestrange, there's an Inspector Slack at the door. He says he must speak to you. He's quite insistent. Then you'd better show him in, Hilda. Yes, ma'am. Well, I'll uh, I'll come back some other time. If it's no trouble, I should be much obliged if you'd stay. Of course, if that's what you wish. Inspector Slack. Good afternoon, Mrs Lestrange. Oh, I didn't expect to find you here, Vicar. Hello, Inspector. You uh, have no objection to Mr Clement being here, I trust? Uh, No. Well, that is, I... I, uh... What can I do for you, Inspector? (coughs) I'm investigating the murder of Colonel Prothero, madam. Purely as a matter of form, it would be useful to know where you were yesterday evening between six and seven. Purely as a matter of form? Yes, madam. I was here, in this house. And your maid can confirm that statement? No, it was Hilda's afternoon off. I see. So you will have to take my word for it. You're certain you were at home? I said so. Mrs Price Ridley has informed me that she called here at about six o'clock and rang the bell. She could make no one here and she went away again. She is quite right. 
But I understood you to say If that... your maid is in, she can say not at home. If one is alone, the only thing to do is to let them ring. But sure... Elderly you... women bore me dreadfully, and Mrs Price Ridley is exceptionally boring. Oh, well, She must have rung at least a dozen times before she went away. I see. Now, I understand you paid a visit to Colonel Prothero at Old Hall on the night before his death. That is so. Can you indicate to me the nature of that interview? It concerned a private matter, Inspector. Nothing is private where murder is concerned, Mrs Lestrange. I'll be obliged if you would tell me what it was about. I can assure you that nothing was said at that interview that could possibly have any bearing on the crime. You're not necessarily the best judge of that. At any rate, you will have to take my word for it. In fact, I have to take your word about everything. It does seem rather like that. You were acquainted with Colonel Prothero? Yes, I was. Well acquainted? We were never close friends. Wasn't it a rather unusual time to make a call? Not from my point of view. And just what do you mean by that? I wanted to see Colonel Prothero alone. I did not wish to see his wife or his daughter. Why didn't you want to see them? That, Inspector, is my business. Then you refuse to say more? Absolutely. You realise that this will look very bad at the inquest, Mrs Lestrange? I'm sure it will, Inspector. Well, don't say that I haven't warned you. Good afternoon, madam. Afternoon, Vicar. Oh, good afternoon, Inspector. <clears throat> I'm going to send you away as well, Vicar. Oh, but I... It is better so. It's too late for advice now. But surely, Mrs Lestrange, No, Mr you Clement, it's too late. I have chosen my part. Good afternoon. Well, Vicar, fishy business, if you ask me. Oh, do you really think so? Why should a smart, well-dressed lady come down to this quiet little hole? Why go and see Prothero at that strange hour of the evening? Why did she want to avoid seeing Mrs and Miss Prothero? Yeah, but I mustn't stop here gossiping. All right. Work to do. <laughs> Good afternoon, Doctor. Uh, hello, Inspector. Oh, hello there. What's he been up to? Has he been questioning Mrs Lestrange? Yes, he has. He's been civil, I hope. Well, by his lights, I suppose. He's a fool. I I'm glad I've met you, Clement. There's a matter I've been meaning to talk to you about, but all this business of the murder drove it out of my mind. It would have been best discussed in the privacy of my surgery, but since there's no one here to hear us... Hmm. It's about that curate of yours. Mr. Hawes? He's a sick man. I thought perhaps you ought to know. Well, how do you mean, sick? Well, he once had some strange form of sleeping sickness. Really? They could never quite get to the bottom of it. It seems the illness has a curious sort of moral effect. It can change your whole character. Well, it looks perfectly normal to me. He's a bit tired out, perhaps. His nerves are on a knife edge. There's no saying which way this thing might take him. It's a curious thought how many people in the past have been hanged or burnt at the stake simply because they were suffering from some disease that no one knew about. I honestly believe that all too often, crime is a case for the doctor and not the policeman. <laughs> It's a difficult business. Tell me, Doctor, if you suspected, I mean, if you knew, that a certain person was a murderer, mm -hmm. would you give that person up to the law, or would you be tempted to shield them? I hope I should do my duty, Clement. Oh, no, the question is, what would you consider your duty to be? 
The question comes to every man sometime in his life, I suppose. And every man must decide in his own way. Does that mean you don't know? Yes. I don't know. I have to make a call at the other end of the village. Can I give you a lift anywhere? No, no thanks. No, I'm, uh, I'm going to stroll back through the wood. Right you are. But uh, don't forget what I said about Hawes. You should keep an eye on him. Ah, Lawrence. What on earth have you got there? <laughs> it's not a clue, if that's what you're thinking. It's a nice bit of rock I've selected for Miss Marple. What on earth did she want with it? Um, it's for her Japanese garden. Actually, it's just an excuse to talk to her. Oh. I want to know if there's anything she happened to notice yesterday evening, something not necessarily connected with the crime, which might give us a clue to it all. Well, it's possible, I suppose. There's not much escapes her. <laughs> now that I'm off the hook, so to speak, I... I want to get to the bottom of this business. Mm. Inspector Slack doesn't exactly fill me with confidence. <laughs> and that lump of rock is your calling card, eh? Exactly, Vicar. Mm. Exactly. Oh, it's very thoughtful of you, Mr. Redding. Very thoughtful indeed. It's nice to find someone taking such a creative interest in my garden. <laughs> um, may I offer you both a cup of tea? No, no, thank you, Miss Marple. It's very kind of you, but I mustn't stay. But there was something I wanted to ask you. Yes, Mr. Reddy. I'm trying to carry out an investigation on my own into who might have killed Prothero. It's a way of clearing my name, I suppose. I was wondering whether you happened to notice anything earlier yesterday evening, the kind of thing that might have seemed totally insignificant at the time. Oh, I know what you mean, of course. The sort you would not even bother to mention, but... No, there was nothing. Did you see anyone go by the path into the wood during the afternoon? Or come from it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, quite a number of people. Dr. Stone and Miss Cram went that way. It's the nearest path up to the barrow. That was a little after two o'clock. And Dr. Stone returned that way. Uh, but you know that, Mr. Redding, since you encountered him yourself. Oh, by the way, that shot you heard, Miss Marple? Yes. Well, Mr. Redding and Mrs. Prothero must have heard it, too. While they were in the studio together. Oh, yes, I suppose they did. Yes. Yes, I believe I did hear some shots. Whether two or three. I only heard one. It's only the vaguest impression in my mind. You see, I was completely taken up with... Quite so. You had other things to think about. Mm. Inspector Slack has been trying to get me to say whether the shot was before or after you left the studio. I have the impression that it was after. Well, that would put Dr. Stone in the clear, since I ran into him the moment I came into the lane. Uh, not that there is the least reason why anyone should suspect him. Oh, but I always find it prudent to suspect everybody just a little. I mean, you can never really be certain, can you? Talking of which, there seems to be one curious thing that needs explaining. Mm -hmm. Mrs Lestrange, the mystery lady of St Mary Mead, paid a visit to Prothero after dinner on Wednesday night, and no one seems to have any idea what it was all about. Perhaps the vicar knows. Uh, no, no, I can throw no light on it at all, I'm afraid. Oh, well, I'm sure that somebody must know something. Someone is bound to have overheard what was going on. Someone always does. How goes the great manhunt, Uncle? Oh, Dennis. Have the police arrested anyone else yet? I fancy they're proceeding rather cautiously at the moment. Yeah, they would know a real murder if he came up and bit them. <laughs> You know, I've gone over every inch of the garden since the old boy was killed. I found two used matches and the metal cap off somebody's boot. Oh, really? And do you know, that Inspector Slack was not in the least interested. 
That is extremely remiss of him. Told me to go and play Sherlock Holmes on somebody else's patch. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, there's uh, somebody waiting for you in your study. Oh, really? Who is it? That curate of yours who's always genuflecting and crossing himself. You mean Mr. Hawes? Yep, that's the chappy. It's very peculiar, isn't he? He was twitching all over. It's terrible that such a thing should happen in the vicarage. It borders on blasphemy. Do the police have anyone else under suspicion now that Mr. Redding has been cleared? Not at present, I believe. I cannot imagine anyone who could do such a dreadful thing. And Colonel Prothero was not a popular man, but murder. A man would need a very strong motive. Well, so I should suppose. Prothero had many enemies, of course. He had a reputation on the bench for being excessively severe. Indeed he did. Oh, yesterday. The very morning of his death, I heard him boasting to you about sentencing that poacher. Yes, you're right, he was. He was shouting at the top of his voice for the whole village to hear. Did you tell the police what he said about that man, Archer? Archer? What's he got to do with it? Well, don't you remember? Prothero said that Archer had sworn that he would get even with him for putting him in jail. That's not sufficient reason for accusing a man of murder. I've no fancy for helping them put the rope around the neck of an innocent man. Don't you think you have a responsibility to tell the police what Prothero said? No, I do not. When you get to my age, Hawes, you'll find that you prefer to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yes. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean... You haven't any ideas of your own as to the identity of the murderer, by any chance? I? No, indeed. No. Well, was, was this what you came to talk to me about, Hawes? Uh, no. Not exactly. What was it, then? Oh, well, it was nothing of any importance. It's gone clear out of my mind. Inspector Slack's here again. Oh. He wants to talk to you. Well, ask him to come in. I'd best be on my way. Hawes, I do wish you'd tell me what it was you came here for. It's nothing important, Mr Clement. Really, it isn't. It can wait until another day. Dear. Extraordinary fellow. Yes. Who is he? My curate. Ah. Well, what's wrong with him, then? I only wish I knew... Anyway, I've traced that telephone call, the one that got you out of the house before the murder. And who was it? It's rather odd. It was put through from the North Lodge of Old Hall. Now, that lodge is empty. The last lodge keeper was pensioned off and his successor hasn't arrived yet. A window at the back was broken in. Ah. No fingerprints on the telephone itself. It had been wiped clean. Now, that's very suggestive. How do you mean? I mean that it shows that call was put through deliberately to get you out of the way. Ah. Therefore, the murder was carefully planned in advance. Yes, yes, I see that. It also shows that the murderer was well acquainted with Old Hall and its surroundings. It can't be Mrs Prothero. I've accounted for every minute of her time yesterday afternoon. It might be one of the servants, but it doesn't seem likely. It was a woman's voice you heard, wasn't it? Oh, yes, I'm sure it was. Uh -huh. So what other lady in the village would know Old Hall that well? That's the question. And I think I'm beginning to have an idea. And who's that? Uh, that would be telling. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, Leonard, but Miss Marple's just sent round to say that when the inspector's gone, could you pop over? Well, oh, uh, I've finished anyway. It sounded quite urgent. Mr Clement, how good of you to call. Oh, no, My nephew has just telephoned. He wants to come down tomorrow. Such a to-do. I shall have to prepare everything. Mm -hmm. I don't even know whether there's any whiskey in the house. Oh, well, if you'd like me to, uh... Um... Oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Oh, there's plenty of time, really. He writes such clever books, I believe, though people are not nearly so unpleasant as he makes out. <laughs> clever young men know so little of life, don't you think? 
Would you like to bring him round to dine with us? Oh, no, thank you. Though it is very kind. I, I, I believe uh, there was something you wanted to see me about? Oh, oh, of course. The business about my nephew put it right out of my mind. It's just that a rather curious thing happened to me last night. Mm -hmm. I thought you might like to hear about it. Oh, uh, mm. I felt rather wakeful. The murder was much on my mind. And I got up and looked out of my window. And what do you think I saw? I cannot imagine. Gladys Cram going into the wood with a suitcase. A suitcase? Isn't it extraordinary? What could she want with a suitcase in the wood at 12 o'clock at night? Well, well, I dare say it has nothing to do with the murder, of course, but it is a peculiar thing. And just at present, we must take notice of peculiar things. Well, it's certainly very odd. And quite a short time afterwards, she came back, and she hadn't got the suitcase with her. Don't you think you should inform Colonel Melchett about this? Oh, goodness, no. There may be some perfectly innocent explanation. Although I must admit I can't imagine what it might be. But I thought that you should know. Well, thank you for telling me. And now I am going to pay a call at Old Hall. To see Mrs. Prothero? It is not the front entrance I'm concerned with, but one of the maids there, Nancy Pratt, used to work for me. I have an idea that she might be able to tell me something about that conversation between Colonel Prothero and Mrs. Lestrange. You're sure it won't go any further? Oh, goodness, no, my dear. I just happened to be passing the Colonel's study window, mm -hmm. and the master was there with this lady. And, of course, he did speak very loud always, though it's very little I actually heard, and that was an accident, of course. Oh, of course. But the master was evidently very angry. After all these years, that's what he was saying, you dare to come here, it's an outrage. I couldn't hear what the lady had to say, but whatever it was, he got angrier than ever. You shall not see her, he says. I forbid it. Looked as though the lady wanted to tell Mrs. Prothero a thing or two, and he was afraid about it. And did you hear anything else, Nancy? Yes, I did. Something which struck me as very strange. He said, I don't believe it. Just like that. Whatever Haydock says, I don't believe it. Whatever Haydock says? Whatever did he mean by that, I wonder? And he said... It was all a plot. You didn't hear the lady speak at all? Only just at the end. She must have got up to go and come nearer the window because I could hear her quite clearly. By this time tomorrow you may be dead, she said. Oh? Wicked the way she said it. By this time tomorrow you may be dead. What do you think of that? The inquest was held on Saturday at the Blue Boar. It created a considerable amount of excitement in the village, but I cannot say that we learned anything from it. Murder by person or persons unknown. We hardly needed a coroner to tell us that. Mrs Lestrange didn't even appear. Dr Haydock had signed a medical certificate saying that she was too ill. Most unsatisfactory. An army of young men came down from the London newspapers and made quite a nuisance of themselves. Ah, good Dr. Stone. Yeah. There seem to be journalists everywhere. I've never known anything like this in my life. You see, I haven't the faintest idea how to deal with them. 
Could I possibly take refuge in your room for a few moments? By all means, Vicar. Thank you. In here. Good morning, Vicar. Oh, good morning, Miss Cram. To what do we owe the pleasure? The Vicar's seeking sanctuary from the press for a few moments, Miss Cram. Oh, can't see why they should want to come down here in the first place. Never heard anything so tame. Nothing what you might call spicy at all. Oh, you were at the inquest then, Miss Cram? Of course I was. Oh, fancy you not noticing me. A gentleman, even if he is a clergyman, ought to have eyes in his head. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, were you present also, Dr Stone? No, I'm afraid I take very little interest in such things. I spent the morning trying to put some of our recent finds into perspective. There's a transverse arrowhead which is particularly intriguing and an oxcapular shovel that I simply cannot account for at all. And then yesterday I came across a remarkably fine specimen... I don't want to the... interrupt you, Doctor, yeah? but aren't you going to miss your train? You... Oh, bless my soul, I'd quite forgotten. Whatever would I do without you? You're leaving? <laughs> yeah, just running up to town for a couple of days. My old mother to see tomorrow, some business with my lawyers oh, Monday. On Tuesday I shall return. Uh, oh, goodness, this suitcase is heavy. Uh, I understand from Mrs. Prothero that there are no obstacles to my continuing the excavation. You're never going to be able to manage all that by yourself, you know. Uh, Let me give you a hand. Oh, that's exceptionally kind of you. No, no, not at all. You don't lose your train. And it'll give me an opportunity to dodge my way through all those tiresome reporters. That's the train, coming in now. Plenty of time, Doctor. They always wait a minute or two. Have you got a ticket? Yes, yes, I have. Sure. Now, if you give me that suitcase, oh. I'll... Uh... Oh, I'm so sorry. That's quite all right. Yeah, my fault entirely. I've got to catch the train. Goodbye, Vicar, and thank you. Goodbye, goodbye. It's Mr West, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And you're down here to see your aunt, I understand. My annual penance, you might say, Vicar. Well, do call in at the vicarage whenever you feel so inclined. We'd be delighted to see you. Thank goodness you're back. We're in the most terrible fix. Why, what's happened? Mary is shaking the vicarage dust from her shoes forever. You mean she's leaving? She gave her notice an hour ago. Well, well, at least there'll be no more burnt puddings and slimy greens. Oh, you, you're absolutely heartless. You don't care. What put it into her head to hand in her notice? She says her feelings have been hurt. Lettuce said she didn't dust properly. Well, she's quite right. But I don't see what our dust has to do with lettuce properly. It wasn't lettuce's fault. I don't see why you have to be getting at her all the time. I'm not getting at her, Dennis. But I don't see that Mary's dusting is any of her business. Oh, you just don't like lettuce. Griselda doesn't like her either. She says she's tiresome. Look, Dennis, I know love is blind, but lettuce just really Oh, look, if only people made a few allowances. The poor girl's going through a terrible time. Oh, really? You should have heard the fuss the Hartley Napiers kicked up just because she left their tennis party early. And on the very day her father was murdered, we don't people have any feelings. Look, just at the moment, Dennis, I'm only concerned about my feelings. I don't want Mary to go. It would be most inconvenient. Please go talk to her, Leonard. Make her see reason. But I've no particular desire for her to stay. Please, Leonard. I couldn't bear her to go at the moment. I'll go and talk to her. For my sake... She's in your study. I'll tell you what the matter is in two words. People coming snooping round here when my back's turned. What business is it of hers how often the study's dusted? Do you mean to say that Lettuce has been in here? While we were all at the inquest. I'll tell you one thing. I've never been in a place before where they had a murder in the house and I never want to be again. What was Lettuce doing? I found her in here when I came back. She said she was looking for a little yellow beret. 
I told her that it wasn't here when I did the room on Thursday morning. Oh, she says, but I dare say you wouldn't have seen it. You don't spend much time doing the room, do you? And with that, she draws her finger along the mantel shelf and looks at it. Well, that was enough for me. If I don't give satisfaction, I'd rather go. Yes, but Mary, none of this has to do with Mrs Clement or myself. We haven't accused you of anything. My wife, I know, will be very sorry to lose you. I've nothing against the mistress. Or against you, sir, for that matter. Well, then, don't you think you're being rather silly? I was a bit upset after the inquest and all, and that inspector slack poking his nose about everywhere. But I wouldn't like to cause the mistress any inconvenience. Then you'll stay? Yes, sir. I'll stay. Ah. Well, my wife will be very relieved. And you've no complaints, sir? No, Mary, no. no, no I, I think the study is remarkably spick and span, uh, considering everything that's happened. Though whether I can ever again call it my... Stu- what is it, sir? What's that on the carpet, just by the desk? Oh. Looks... Looks like a woman's earring. Now, where have I seen that before? Well, it wasn't there on Thursday morning, I swear to it. Oh, I believe you, Mary, I'm sure it wasn't. But I would be very grateful if you'd keep this to yourself, do you understand? Yes, sir. If you say so. Good, and uh, now I shall go and tell my wife the good news. Oh, Leonard, you are so clever. I could never have done it. Oh, like lettuce. She couldn't have left that yellow beret here on Wednesday. She was wearing it for tennis on Thursday. (laughs) She never knows where she's left anything. Oh, uh, I I forgot to tell you. Miss Martle wants us to go over tonight after dinner to uh, amuse the nephew. She's afraid things may be rather dull for him. I I said we would go. Oh, very well. Though I can think of pleasanter ways of spending an evening. Raymond West can be quite insufferable when he puts his mind to it. This fascination with murder is so depressing. I can think of nothing more unutterably banal. It baffles me why people take such an interest in it. Nonsense. You talked of nothing else all through dinner. Oh, so you do have a theory about it, Mr West? (laughs) Logically, only one person could have killed Colonel Prothero. And who is that? The vicar. I know you didn't do it, Clement. Life is never what it should be. But think of the drama, the fitness of it all. Church warden murdered in the vicar's study and by the vicar himself. Mm. Delicious. And the motive, Mr West? Pent-up frustration. No. Week after week, year after year, he's seen the man at vestry meetings, choir boys' outings, handing round the bag in church, bringing it to the altar. Always he nurtures a deep hatred for him. But he won't admit it. And so it festers underground. Until one day. Have you ever felt like that, Leonard? I have heard that you said the world would be a better place without him two days before he died. Oh, I do wish Dennis wouldn't tell such silly tales. Oh, no, I didn't hear it from Dennis. At least, not directly. It was from Miss Cram. Miss Cram? She came to see me this afternoon. I met her in the village and invited her to come and see my garden. Is she interested in gardens? No, I don't think so. But it makes a very good excuse for a talk, don't you think? And did you find anything out? She volunteered a lot of interesting information about herself. All her people seem to be dead or in India, poor soul. Mm. She's gone off to Old Hall for the weekend. 
Well, why on earth should you do that? It seems that Mrs. Provero invited her to do some secretarial work. Oh, there are so many letters to cope with. It turned out rather fortunately. Dr. Stone being away, she has nothing to do. And it must make a refreshing change from archaeology. Archaeology? Is that the Dr. Stone? Yes, he's excavating a barrow on Prothero's land. Oh, he's a good man. I met him at a dinner not long ago and we had a most interesting talk. I must look him up. Well, unfortunately, he's gone up to London for a few days. You, oh, you bumped into him at the station. Well, the only person I bumped into was a fat little man with glasses. Yes, Dr. Stone. <laughs> but, my dear fellow, that wasn't Stone. Not Stone? Not the archaeologist. Not the faintest resemblance. Extraordinary. That suitcase I saw Gladys Cram carrying up into the woods. What about it? It reminds me of the time the man went round pretending to be the gas inspector. <laughs> Quite a little haul he got. An imposter. Now, this is really interesting. Well, the question is, has it anything to do with the murder? Well, not necessarily, but... Yes, um... it is a peculiar thing coming at a time like this. A very peculiar thing. In episode three of Murder at the Vicarage by Agatha Christie, Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield and the Reverend Leonard Clement by Francis Matthews. Griselda Clement, Imelda Staunton, Dennis, Nicholas Bolton, Dr. Haydock, Nigel Davenport. Mrs. Lestrange, Julie Mears, Gladys Cram, Una Beeson, Lawrence Redding, James Telfer. Inspector Slack, John Badley, Dr. Stone, Timothy Bateson, Raymond West, Ian Masters, Hawes, David Thorpe. Hilda, Lisa Howard, Nancy, Vivian Rochester, and Mary, Alice Arnold. Murder at the Vicarage was dramatised for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening. <laughs>